our second part of our uh, series that we've just called Truth Stories. And I'm sorry that our technology didn't work. We had some cool videos ready for y'all. had some really awesome announcements. So some really cool stuff. And our, our, our local uh, actor, Shane Bailey, giving us another lead-in to today's Truth Story. And we're just going through the parables, Jesus' most famous teachings. And we're looking at what Jesus was purposing to convey to us. We're looking for this. And last week we looked at this concept of the parable of the sower. And Jesus said, if you don't get this one, if you don't get this parable, then you're not going to be able to get any of them. And the point of the parable, where Jesus went out and he sowed his seed and some of it fell on the, the the pathway, and then it fell on some other places, and finally there was one place on the good ground that it began to yield a harvest and grow. And Jesus dropped this truth on us, and he said, you who have ears to hear, let him hear. That's the whole point of that parable, is that if we would dare to open our ears and our hearts to God, then we would know the truth. He would, he would dare to speak to us. We would begin to be able to understand. And sometimes we have to quiet ourselves. And today, due to some little snafus, it's quieter. Visually, it's quieter. We have a beautiful graphics, one of my favorites. I love it with a typewriter and whatnot with true stories. But on this, we're going to take advantage of this moment. Cutie and I got to get away to... Uh, um, the mountains and cloud crawl the last couple of days. And when you have seven kids in your house, your house just has a level of noise that is just kind of constant. And you don't even know it's there. And we're sitting up there, beautiful scenery, <clears throat> beautiful pine trees. We had five deer come and walk into where our cabin was, and it was just it was just awesome. It was just peaceful. Still snow on the ground up there. It was fantastic. And we're sitting there at the breakfast table, and I'm like, man, quiet. And we're just sitting there. No kids, no TV, no iTunes, nothing. You could hear the refrigerator running. <laughs> and we're both sitting there on the same side of the table, and all of a sudden, Cutie looks over to me, and she goes, is there a clock in here? <laughs> and I turn around, I look back, and there's a clock on the wall behind us, and we could hear it. It wasn't a like, big, loud one, but you could just hear that. I mean, just so, so faint. But when it finally chilled out and finally got quiet, and we didn't have the noise of the chatter between the two of us, and we didn't have the... The beautiful sounds that we miss when they're not there, of, of our family all in the background doing their thing. That all of a sudden we realize that there's more to hear than we recognize sometimes. And the Word of God tells us to be still and know that I'm God. Be still and hear Him. Be aware of what He's doing. And everything within our culture, whether it's our technology and all of our little stuff, I think it's kind of interesting that Jesus' earthly ministry happened before humanity discovered electricity. Maybe he did that on purpose. 
Maybe it was easier to engage with an audience without some of this stuff. I, I love the technology. I love it when it works. I, I love it. But so many times our lives can be so busy and so fast. In fact, this when we did the fast the together this last time, we had our had our 21-day fast. I, I did the traditional meals and I had my my normal fast. But anybody that's known me for any length of time knows that normally when you see me walking around during the week, I got some headphones hanging out right here. I got a wire running up my shirt and going into my phone. And I've always got podcasts, audiobooks, something. It's good stuff. Good teaching, good stuff. The Holy Spirit challenged me. Cut it all out. Cut it all out. And that was my big fast was just taking that time I normally felt like I was given to him for these sermons and these different things, these different teachings, these great books that these men of God have written and I get to be able to take in and, and expand my love, my study time and study time and my learning time. But this moment where we just quiet and be aware as we're moving into these, I want to challenge you. Be quiet. Just quiet ourselves. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak something fresh to you today. See, John 8, verse 30 through 32. We're going to come back to this over and over again. It says, even as, he, it's Jesus, even as Jesus spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching. Spent a good bit of time on this last week on that concept of, of holding, embracing, making it your own. Not this thing of, of, of strict adherence. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because this is the right thing to do. No, it's this more embrace, this, this bring in close. Make it your own. You hold to my teachings. You're my disciple. You know, something's only truly learned and becomes a part of you when it's become internalized. Whenever you sit there and you, it's not that you just repeat it off the top of your head, but it's something that becomes inside of you and you begin to live out of it. That's when we're really Jesus' disciples. Not when we can quote chapter and verse, and it's a good thing to be able to do that, but when we let it get on the inside of us, like that seed of the word and the good ground and let it change our lives. <coughs> says, then you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a promise. An awareness of understanding who God is and what he's done on your behalf. And you dare to have ears to hear and hear. It's a promise. It will bring freedom to you. When you allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think, it will bring freedom. God's not trying to shackle you and make things harder on you. Last week we looked at, kind of tying that off in, with, we looked at where Mark quotes Jesus for the first time. And Mark's first words were, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right here. Believe the good news. And so many times we tend to think in our common culture of repent is that is that thing of I'm sorry, I'm terrible, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a slug, I'm 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a jerk. It's this 
admittance to fault, when really that's not what is in that Greek word repent at all. It means to change the way you think. You know what? A worm that doesn't change the way it thinks is still a worm. And go around saying, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm, I'm, I'm. But, it, but it doesn't change the way it thinks. It's just going around and being self-aware doesn't make anything. Repentance isn't being self-aware. It's being God-aware. It's being aware of who he is and what he wants to do and allowing him to change the way we think. Believe the good news. Believe that he's for us. Well, Luke chapter 4, we see where, the, where Luke and the writer of his gospel, we see not the first time Jesus speaks. Because Luke covers some ground before Jesus starts his earthly ministry. But Jesus has his moment in the wilderness, and he comes out, and he's ready to begin his earthly ministry. And he goes in to pronounce it, and he goes to where everybody who should be looking for Messiah is. There at the synagogue, and he shows up there. And he grabs the scroll and he reads from this. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To those that are lacking. To those that are destitute. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Those who are shackled, who are stuck, who are in bondage, who are addicted whose minds can't see clearly the recovery of sight to the blind. Those that when the, something is right in front of them, they can't even see. Says, That's what I've come to do. I've come to proclaim this. I've come to bring this. And to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That he has favored humanity. To proclaim it. To let people know. Why? Because they didn't know. They were unaware. Now we're going to fast forward. We're going to fast forward about three years. And we're going to catch up not in Luke chapter 4, but in Luke chapter 14. And in the timeline of Jesus' earthly ministry, this happens fairly late. This happened somewhere in the timeline, because we understand that Jesus was crucified at the Passover, which we can't, our Easter is, we always celebrate there. Then, this was just a few months before, so this teaching was happened somewhere around the chronology of this part of our calendar. Around end of January, early, early to mid-February. Before his death. Just a month <coughs> later at Easter, we're going to celebrate. And Jesus has not let up off of this very first thing he proclaims. He's not let up on it. And that's the whole point of this parable. See, if you're filling in the blanks, you normally get to see it on the screen here. It says, God has done. D-O-N-E, done. Everything for us. The banquet is prepared. See, this story we're looking at today is a party story. And who doesn't love a party? How many of you went to a Super Bowl party last week? Alright, whether you think it was awesome that Denver won or you think it was rigged that Denver won or how, whatever is your take on it, um, it's a good game. 
Yeah. It's an interesting game all the way to the end. When the Super Bowl is what you want. You want a good, interesting game. And so, but part of the Super Bowl is just a good reason to have a party. How many people didn't care who was playing, but went to the party? That's right. It wasn't about the teams. It was about getting together. It's about the, the, that awesome guacamole. It's about the stuff. It's about the camaraderie and hanging out and the weird commercials. <laughs> that was what it was about. But I would anticipate that most of you, I know the party that we had at our house, that we did not call our friends, they'll testify, we did not say, hey, the banquet is prepared. Come. All of them, all of them said, hey, what do I need to bring? We're like, oh, you, we're, we're doing this, you bring that, and then everybody pitched in. We had it in our house, and everybody, everybody that walked through the door had some sort of thing in their hands that the banquet became prepared as everyone began to arrive. And there's something kind of jacked up in our DNA that we think that somehow that that's the way God's banquet is. And somehow we better not show up at the pearly gates empty-handed. I'm supposed to show up with the casserole. I've got guacamole duty in heaven. And I've got to bring the guacamole. I've got to bring something to add to this wonderful heavenly that's not the story we get here. It's completely prepared. He's done everything. Luke 14, verse 12 says, Then Jesus said to his host, we're backing up just a little bit. Jesus is at a party. Can we, can we erase that? Can we erase that out of our Bible? Jesus went to a party. Jesus said to his host, the host of the party, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Some people leave their neighbors out except for the rich ones. I want them to bring some. It says, if you do, they might invite you back and you'll be repaid. Well, most of us go to a party. Who do we invite? We invite our friends. Friends are invited to the party. Who's next people on the list of the party? Your family. Even now. Because they're going to get their feelings hurt. They're going to raise a ruckus. Yeah, that's wrong. It's easier to just let them sit in the corner and eat some free food than deal with them. So they're invited. And then you have the extended family, brothers, sisters, your, your relatives. Oh, yeah, and then that, that, that. That rich guy, my boss. I better buy him. Boss man better show up. He don't, we, we don't want him to think that he's been left out. And that's the normal stuff. And it's been do, we've been doing that for 2,000 years. The party list, the invite list has been the same for 2,000 plus years. It's been the same. The people we like, the people we feel obligated to invite, and the people we want to impress. That's, the, that's, our, that's our party list. But Jesus says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and 
they cannot repay you, they're not going to have a party and you get to go to that one. Well, I know so-and-so, they throw an awesome Christmas party, so I'm inviting them to my Super Bowl party so that I get to go to the Christmas party. No, it's not this give and take. It's just this beautiful act of love and generosity. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So here is the that Jesus just dropped that nugget on his party host. Jesus is in a party atmosphere. He's at a party. So all of a sudden, he's talking party talk. Everybody can identify with this. So he tells a story about that. Then in verse 15, somebody decides that they're going to go ahead and super spiritualize this. Okay? Jesus says, he's being real practical. Let's love on everybody. Let's love on the unlovely. Let's love on the people that get left out. And you're going to be blessed in heaven. And somebody says, I'm going to take it to another level. Jesus went to, to eternity. I'm going to take it to another level. It says, and when one of those at the table heard <clears throat> with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Wow. What an amazing thing to get an invite to that party. That's a select group. That's a hard party to get in on. Man, how amazing. You're just blessed. <coughs> if you get in and be able to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus has already talked to his hosts. Told him how to deal with it on, a, on this earthly level. You're going to just show love to everybody. And then Jesus replied and tells the parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited Many guests. He invited lots of people. At the time of the banquet, he sent his service to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. It's all ready. I've done everything. I've taken care of it all. I want us to get that deep down on the inside of us. Your admittance, your invitation to this is not depending on whether or not you checked off whether you were bringing chips or ice to God's party. Whether or not you were going to be able to add to this thing. He said, I've done it all, and I just want you here. I just want you here. See, the truth we have to understand is there's an open invitation. An open invitation. To just say yes. You'd think that would be easy. You would think that just saying yes would be easy. But Jesus lets us know apparently it's not that easy. In verse 18 he says, but they all alike began to make excuses. Began to find these reasons. Whether or not they were trying to ditch the party, whether or not they didn't really want to go to the party, whether or not they didn't really like the host, whether maybe this is the legitimately, they just had stuff to do. We don't know other than that couch, there's excuses. And the first said, I've bought a field and I must go and see it. Please <laughs> excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to go try them out. 
I just bought a brand new four-wheel drive pickup. I'm about to go get some mud on that thing. I'm gonna try it out, see if that four-wheel drive works. Still another said, I just got married. <laughs> she said my party day's over. <laughs> but she met me at the party. <laughs> Says I just got married. Blaming it on the spouse. See, the thing is, is that in all of these 2,000 years, the our personal invite list hasn't changed. We invite the people we like. We invite the people we feel obligated to, and we invite the people we want to impress. And excuses haven't changed. There's stuff that gets in the way. Sometimes possessions get in the way. Just bought a field. Sometimes making a living gets in the way. Just bought a bunch of yoke of oxen. I'm going to go try them out. That wasn't for fun. Let's go plow. That's some hard work. To go make a living. I just got married. Sometimes we just put relationships and other people in. And you know what? Being sensitive to your wife's feelings or your spouse's feelings is a good thing. Being diligent to go provide a living is a good thing. If you just bought a field, understanding where it is and how you're going to make money with it or whatever it's going to do is a good thing. None of these things are bad. In and of themselves, until all of a sudden they get in the way and you don't accept the open invitation. There's this open invitation to fully connect with God. If we just let the excuses and all of the other stuff fade away and just say yes. And here, the host of the party gets stiff on. Bake was ready. The food's hot. This isn't a put on delay and show up later. See, Jesus is teaching us that then Father invites people that are typically, typically left out. See, the party's not about making connections or being with the right people. The party is simply an expression of God's love for humanity and anyone who would dare to simply receive it. Jesus continues to tell the story. In verse 21, he says, The servant came back and reported this to his master. I got stiff arms. They're going to deal with their oxen and just got married. Go look at a field. They're not coming. They all have their reasons why they're not coming. And the owner of the house became angry. It upset him. And he ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the <clears throat> blind, and the lame. Hmm. Does this sound a little bit like maybe the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare good news to the poor? Amen. Does this sound a little bit like maybe coming back to those same four things that Jesus said he was here the whole time for? Amen. <clears throat> Go out there and this group of people... Anybody with half a heart says, invite them. Anybody with half a heart says, yeah, 
I'm a little uncomfortable. Their dirtiness, their stuff, it's kind of creeped me out a little bit. I'm, I said, you know, it's not all of a sudden going to be the party of the year anymore. There goes the red carpet. There goes all of the, the neat exclusiveness. Now, can I be anybody can get in? But you know, the food's there, and they're poor, and they're crippled, and they're blind and lame, and yeah. They ought to get in. Why didn't we think of that? Kind of have this little moment. Because when we really kind of push ourselves aside, we get that. But man, Jesus takes it to a whole other level. He takes it to a whole other level. Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. It's a big banquet. <coughs> all the poor are here, all the lame are here, all of the, those that were blind, all of those who were crippled, all of those are here. But there's still room. What do you want us to do? There's so much food. Your love has been so lavishly put out here. What are we going to do with all this? First people they invited said no. All the dirty people are here and now they're really not coming. It says then the master told the servant, and if you don't understand the culture today, you're gonna miss this. It says, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Okay. Kind of goes out of town. Gives it to me. No, 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 no. You don't get it. Heard the heard the term highwayman? These guys, these these that term is is <clears throat> there. And it represents and means a highwayman is not just some guy that lives on the highway, he's a robber. The little <clears throat> few stories down the road, right before Easter, we're gonna we get to, to, no, actually, it's next week where we're going to deal with the Good Samaritan. Somebody who came in contact with a highwayman. Somebody who lived out in the roads and the highways. Jesus didn't say, now just go get the poor. We can get that. He's now said, go get the criminals. Amen. Wow. Now I want you to go out there and get the one nobody wants to party with. This is one, if somebody finds out if one of these are at the party, they're saying, hide the silver. Lock everything down. You let that person in the party? You've now ruined all our fun because we can't relax. We're too busy judging them. Amen. We can't even enjoy the party anymore because they're here. This was a good party. It was a sweet party when the poor people showed up. But now I'm uncomfortable because I don't want to be anywhere near those people. Those people, they need my forgiveness. They robbed my uncle. They snuck in and stuff, took some stuff from my grandma's barn. And I don't know which one of them it was, but I was one of them. And I said, bring them in. <coughs> Food. I've got love. 
bring them in. Amen. <coughs> and everybody who was at that sweet little selective party, minds were completely blown. The guy who just said how amazing it would be to get in and eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven was thinking about all the pretty stuff you had to do and wear, stuff you had to show up with, and his mind just got blown that the master wants them to go out and get the ones in the highways, on the roads, the ones that are standing out on the edges of society that are there themselves are afraid to come in and deal with proper, normal people. Folks, sometimes if you've never been on the outside, normal society seems sweet and innocent. But if you've ever been on the outside, you understand Amen. how intimidating it is for somebody who doesn't know how to interact, who has a past and a history. And hopes you didn't read the paper a few months ago. Amen. And how they don't even know how to step into normal, polite society. They don't even know where to start. It's intimidating. Could be intimidating by just a bunch of regular, old, normal, middle class, <coughs> sweet people. People who've never been able to connect. They don't get it. So they stay out in the roads and they stay out in the country lanes. And they stay out in the lifestyle of the only thing they understand. So, Brandon, are you making excuses for them? Nope. All I'm doing is removing our excuses for rejecting. Amen. That's all I'm doing. And we don't have the right. The master says he wants them. So, guess what? I've heard it said that. Uh, one of the most unnerving things about thinking about the great wedding supper of the Lamb, as the Bible poetically puts it, and sitting there in the kingdom of God is you don't get to pick who sits next to you. Amen. <laughs> you don't. <coughs> and when we see the bigness of the love and the grace of God, if we get real honest, it creeps us out a little bit more. See, rejecting the invitation is the only thing that keeps us from receiving all that's been provided. You don't not receive because you didn't bring a bag of chips. You didn't add to it. No, nope. it's all been provided. You don't get left out because you're uninvited. Nope, everyone's invited. How do we get stuck? How does somebody not enjoy the banquet? Simply reject the invitation. Simply reject it. In Luke 14, 24, Jesus wraps up the parable and the master speaking to his servants and says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited, that was that original people who wanted to come to the sweet little party, who thought they were being invited to a sweet little party and stuck it at an arm's length, 
Not one of them who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So what's the deal? Is all of a sudden Jesus is being vengeful? All of a sudden he says, you rejected me, so now whoop, you're not going to get a taste. No. He's saying this is their mindset. They're not going to. They're not going to. They've closed it off. It's all been provided, and because they put it, up, they're not going to. It's not going to happen. They're sit there and they close it off until they repent. Not repent and quit being a highwayman and being all that. Instead, they get all their stuff together and quit being so pitiful. Not any of that mess until they repent. And change the way they think and begin to recognize how open the invitation is, how complete the band has been provided, and that the Heavenly Father has opened it up to everyone. It's not the who's who, it's not the upper select, He's opened it up and invited more people than we are remotely comfortable with. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I'll lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone, and though and the trust and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them. What's the stumbling stone? Is it all of the hurdles God said? You got to jump this high. You got to do this. You got to not do that. Is it all the list? No. It's what are you going to do with Jesus? That's it. Jesus, you either embrace him and build on him as the foundation, or you trip over. But it's one or the other. And it all comes back. Jesus. The invitation is open. Yeah, it's open. And Jesus declared it to that first group. Repent. Change the way you think for the kingdom of God is at hand of believing the good news. And there were those that did. And there were those that didn't. I dare us to fully open our hearts and our minds what God has for us. <clears throat> to dare to open our hearts and our minds to what God has for humanity. And dare to just say yes. See, the bottom line is, is you're invited to the banquet. And the people that follow you are invited to the banquet. <laughs> you can't make the decision for them. Yes. Open your hearts to 
truly knowing God. And he'll continue to reveal himself. I want to create a quiet moment. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Brandon, I see it. I see it. I've always thought that this thing with God and being a Christian was about trying harder and doing more. And I've been trying to get ready to try harder. And I recognize today that it's not about trying harder. I recognize today that it's that Jesus did it all. Amen. That the banquet is prepared. <laughs> and I see that he accepts me. He's invited me. He knows what I've done. He knows who I've been. And he's still invited me. And I say yes. I believe Jesus took care of it all. That you, won't you just lift your hand? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. <coughs> just take these words I'm going to lend you. The Bible says that the moment of belief, when we make it our own, we step over from death to life, and you have already done so. But I'm going to lend you some words in this prayer. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. Believers are. Follow along with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent him for me. That you have prepared the banquet. You have done it all. You've provided for my sin. You, all my debts are paid in you. And you have given me life. I understand you want me. And I say yes to that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, I'm your child.